We're at that verse in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. That's what we are looking at, 1 Corinthians, but we've touched down in verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us. And this is where we looked at last week and were last week. Christ is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Last week we looked at Christ being made unto us wisdom. Wisdom to transform our minds. We looked at the challenge to Christ by the minds of the day, the brains of the day, when Christ lived. The Herodians, the Royalists, the Sadducees, the Rationalists, the Pharisees, the Ritualists, the Scribes, the Recordists, in Matthew 22, and each one of them, as they approached Christ, that was a planned attack. The Lord, with his divine mind, was able to put them in their place easily. We have the mind of Christ, folk. And Colossians is the chapter that talks about we have the wisdom of Christ. We need to understand that. That though we may be not quick on our feet, intellectually, we still have the mind of Christ. We still can, can challenge the most intellectual of all. I was reading this week of the drill that they've done in the ocean northeast of New Zealand where five and a half kilometres of water and then they've drilled way down into the rock and then drilled below that into, into deposits that have been deposited below the rock of vegetation and microbes and things that are there deposited. They say the deposits are a hundred million years old. They bought them up and they're still living. And they say this cannot be. (laughs) They've been down there for a hundred million years. They all should be dead. They give them a little oxygen and they are brought to life. And they're just astounded. (laughs) We have the wisdom of Christ. We have the wisdom of the word of God. Because they were only put there what, four and a half thousand years ago at the flood. That's why they're still surviving. That's why they're still able to be alive as they are. But the scientists will not recognize the fact of Scripture. But we have the wisdom of the Word of God. It's simple. (laughs) They weren't placed there that long ago. And that's why they're still living. And other things you can study up yourself and look at and find. But the wisdom that transforms our minds and our way of thinking and concluding matters. And Jesus dealt with the relevant issues. And that's why, and, and, you, and you understand books when you get, get the wisdom of the Lord of the Bible. And that's why through the book of Matthew it's developing where they, he sent the disciples out. They rejected the Lord. They rejected the disciples they challenged the Lord. The resistance continually grew until that chapter where he, they challenged him. And then in Matthew chapter 23, he just 
lambasted them. He said, woe to you who have rejected the truth, you Pharisees. And then at the end of that chapter, he said, your house is left to you desolate. Then he talked about the tribulation in 24 and 25. And it's easy to understand the outlines of books when you get the big picture of it. The Lord's mind is a great mind to think along, <laughs> along with. You get it from the word of God. Then we looked or began to look at the righteousness. Christ is made unto us wisdom. Christ is made unto us righteousness, according to 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30. <clears throat> to transform our morals, the way we behave. People try through the law to get righteousness. Try through religion to get righteousness. Try through works to get righteousness. Uh, they try self-righteousness. All these really tie together. But there is only one righteousness, and Troy is on the right path when he said about the righteousness as he read Romans 4, and that's Christ's righteousness. And uh, this, is being this is tying in with the adult class back there to the book of Genesis. It really goes back to further than what they have been in the adult classes. Chapter 3, verse 15 of Genesis where the Lord was going to bruise the serpent's head through his offering. But at chapter 12 there, where the covenant was made with Abraham, and chapter 15 and chapter 17, where it was reiterated and where it was also given again to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, where it was re-given to them, the, the, the patriarchs. But um, <clears throat> this righteousness that's spoken of in Romans chapter 4 and the mind of Christ in Paul was able to give that under inspiration and this is a righteousness that has been the same since Abraham until now and we mentioned it this morning it's the righteousness which is by faith and this is what we're going to continue which we began last week to to look at this <clears throat> um, and if you've got your phone I think the outlines on that because we haven't got a printed outline tonight Elise and uh, Sam are locked down over there and uh, we have there in the outline that was added into last week's the rumor of the Jews of Abraham's righteousness the Jews held Abraham up as a prime example of a man who had been saved by works. That's what they were saying. This man, our father, is saved by works. They believed that he was an example of a life lived right. They believed that God accepted and justified Abraham because he had earned it, and they got it wrong because he didn't earn it, and nobody can earn salvation by righteous deeds. Nobody can. But that's... All false religions, is it not? We started looking at that last week. All false religions say that you can earn salvation, and it's wrong. It's not by works at all. And, you, you, and we went through them last week. You name any religion, there is a false religion, and it all gets back to you can work your way to heaven. But the law stops every mouth, as Paul said in Romans 3:19 and following. It stops every mouth. We are all guilty before God. What, well, the book of Galatians tells us what the law was used for. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. 
It made us guilty. <laughs> it showed us that we were guilty before God to bring us unto Christ and unto salvation, but not give us salvation. It brought us to the point of guilt that we might seek salvation. And God is not impressed with our works for salvation. They are an affront to him. All that touches God is faith. Faith is the only thing that will save our human soul and grant the righteousness of God to the believing sinner that places their faith in him and the work he has done for us on our behalf as believing sinners. And uh, <clears throat> that's the watch cry of the Reformation. The just shall live by faith. Let's pray as we start into some new territory at this time. Thank you, Lord, that you brought us by the way of faith to receive the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. Lord, as we look around and as you know better than us, that everywhere people are trusting in their works for salvation, trying to please you, and they're not pleasing you at all, it's an affront to you that they are presenting their filthy works to a holy and a righteous God when you've done a work on their behalf that they might receive that by faith and receive your righteousness as a gift. Lord, they just add to their guilt by their works. Lord, may people here and people listening in and people reading your word and in other places Understand this. This is the crux and essence of your word from cover to cover. The just shall live by faith. And may we live our lives by faith every day from the moment of salvation until we go to be with you. And then it will be sight and we shall see you face to face. Bless us now as we study these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> So the rumour of the Jews, of Abraham's righteousness, they said it was by works. The reality of Abraham's faith in Romans chapter 4. Let's go to that portion. <clears throat> what saith the scripture? And the rumour is given in verse 1 and 2. If Abraham were justified by works, as Paul said, he has something of which to glory, not before God. Verse 3, what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. The real basis of Abraham's salvation is he believed God and God saved him. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> Sounds very much like what's preached and taught in the New Testament church. <laughs> we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That was what the jailer asked the question of Paul and Silas, did he not? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What, did it, what was the response? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. <laughs> Abraham believed God and was saved by him. He believed God and he left Ur of the Chaldeans, 11 of Genesis and verse 31. He left Ur and as God had said, he believed there was a promised land to go to. He went to Haran, up the river, up the creek of... <laughs> He went up the creek a bit, you might say. That wasn't far enough because he, he was with Dad and he was with Lot. 
But then in Genesis 12 verse 4, at 75 years old, he believed God and left Haran. At 75 years old, you say he's leaving it a bit late, but he lived a lot longer than we did, double our age, the promises of our age. So he left there and he believed God and went to a country. So at uh, mid-age, he's, he's the age he lived to, at middle age, he left Haran and went to the promised land. In Genesis 15, he believed God and a covenant was made with him, Genesis 12, 15 and 17. At 85 years old, he believed God and there was a covenant made with him. Now he's getting, he's getting old, he's getting long in the tooth. <laughs> and then there was another stage, he had to believe God. At, that, at, at age what? He didn't have a son. 100. 100, <laughs> 100 years old. He still hadn't got the promise. He, the promise was already that he was going to have children as, well, his descendants were going to be as the stars as the heaven and as the sand by the sea. That's part of the promise, part of the covenant. Hadn't been fulfilled. And so he jumped in early at the suggestion of Sarah and his Hagar, you know. He's the handmaid. It's not happening, so let's have a <coughs> big mistake. But, no, that's not it. And uh, Sarah laughed in the tent when he, she heard she was being younger than Abraham that she's going to have a son. And at 100 years old, he believed God. <laughs> and he had a son. You see, all this is he believed, he believed, he believed. And we have to believe. <laughs> and all this, as we have in... Romans chapter 4, and what saith the scripture? You know, we've got to get back to the book, the Bible. What saith the word? Abraham believed God, and it was counted, reckoned, imputed to him for righteousness. This is what saved his soul. Not the work, it was the belief in the Lord. Now, there's still another further step in which he believed God. What was one of the greatest tests of an old man that he had yet to face after a hundred years old, that he'd had that one son of promise. He'd received the son of promise at a hundred. At a hundred and fifteen years old, he still had to believe God. And, and this time there was no messing around. There was no going to Egypt. There was just complete Immediate obedience. When was it? What was it? Genesis 22. Sacrifice of Genesis 22. Go sacrifice your son. <laughs> you think, oh no. This is the promised seed. Can I trust God? You see, he, by that time, he just trusted the Lord. He just believed the word. I will do it, sir. <laughs> and I'll do it immediately. He didn't ask, as far as we know, Sarah's permission. Maybe he talked about it. And she, maybe she's got to the point of faith that was like Abraham. Yep, you do it. Because he accounted that he was able to raise him up again from the dead. And all is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? Isaac and the, the, the son. 
and, and God will provide himself a lamb and the, the picture there in 22 of Genesis and so he offered his son at 115 years old and the son could have resisted the, the elderly man couldn't he but there you know what did the son say father we've got the wood we've got the fire they had to carry the fire didn't have matches and uh, but, but, but where is the lamb God will provide himself a lamb literally that was fulfilled was it not it was all about faith and what does the book of Hebrews say without faith it is impossible to please him he that cometh to God must believe he is and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him and let's simplify that back to Genesis chapter 3 I mean John chapter 3 and verse 16 for for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth Abraham believed God we need to believe God hath everlasting life we shall not come into judgment now which came first in Abraham's life his believing faith or his circumcision maybe we need to read a little in Genesis 15 verse 6 at 85 years old his believing faith and even earlier that in Genesis 11 when he left Ur of Chaldeans he believed his circumcision was later his circumcision happened at a hundred years old his wife Sarah called him a bloody husband for on that for that occasion <clears throat> Romans chapter 9 I mean 4 and 9 notice this cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also because see Paul is dealing with the Jewish mind mindset when he's giving these verses here under inspiration of the spirit for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness faith is what got him saved faith is what made him righteous how was it reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision and Paul answers, not when he was circumcised, but when he was uncircumcised. He believed before he was circumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision later, a seal of the righteousness of faith which he had already been uncircumcised. Now I'm adding to help explain the verses. That he might be the father of all them that believe. Us. <laughs> we believe just as Abraham believed, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be what unto them also, might be imputed to you and me also. It's imputed to us who believe by faith. <clears throat> Let's go to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. And verse 1 to start with. <clears throat> they had an issue with this business of circumcision in the early church. And a certain man who came down from Judah taught the brethren who said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Well, okay, here's a bloke that turns up that says, You've got to be circumcised to be saved. Ah. Oh. 
Verse 5. See how it was dealt with. Then arose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees who believed, saying that it was needful to to circumcise them, to command them to keep the law of Moses. comes the law as well as circumcision. Verse 9. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Is the answer. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? We weren't able to keep it. Why are you trying to yoke up the Gentiles with a burden that didn't work? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Verse 24. For as much as we have heard that certain who went from us have troubled you with words subverting your soul, saying ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. Praise the Lord. We're saved by the grace of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The reality of Abraham's faith is just as we believe he believed before he was circumcised. No laws, no thou shalt and thou shalt, we believe by faith. The result of Abraham's faith back in Romans chapter 4, and we skipped these verses a moment ago, but in verse 4, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not is the but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. The word counted there means to credit to one's account and to treat them accordingly. We mentioned that last week. And uh, mentioned if you would go to the went to the bank and try to credit or write a check on an overdrawn account, they would treat you accordingly. You ever had a check bounce? You know what? I've had a few I've had a few check church checks bounce. Church checks bounce. <laughs> yep. There wasn't enough in the account. I didn't tell the treasurer treasurer or treasurers at the time, but each time it bounced it cost me the pastor I don't know why they didn't charge the church but they charged the guy that tried to do it anyway we won't talk about that however if you went to the bank and deposited a lot of money into your account and then tried to do the check it would not bounce would it they would credit it you see the spiritual side of this truth when we place our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation God credits to your account my account in the bank of heaven, with the righteousness of Christ, then he treats us accordingly. And uh, we have credit. If we do not open an account in heaven with the deposit of faith, and we're trying to secure God's favor by substituting our own righteousness of works, then we'll be treated just like we deserve to be treated and be on our way to hell. What must we do to be saved? Believe. And then it is credited to your account, the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole point is summed up in those verses, verse 4 and 5 of Romans 4. It's reckoned of grace. Now to him that worketh 
is a reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. But him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith, his faith is counted for righteousness. Um, <clears throat> Here, in these two verses, we're being told that if we're saved by good works, then God is just paying off his debt to man when he saves us sinners. And God doesn't do that. It's not that way. Imagine going to work one week, and on payday the boss comes and hands you the cheque, like it used to be, it doesn't happen anymore, it's all electronic. But he says, here's your gift what would you say? Give nothing. I earned that. I worked for that. <laughs> and this is true of salvation, isn't it? If I'm saved because I've earned it, then I can brag about it. But it's not so. And so <clears throat> don't insult God by saying, I can work for my salvation. It's by faith we believe. And so the result of Abraham's faith, he had imputed righteousness same with us and then he uses a second illustration not Abraham but he, took, he uses David and even as David in verse 6 describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth imputeth putteth in it's like putting money into an account righteousness without works saying blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin <clears throat> I might digress a little back to the covenants because what has been spoken about in the adult class, Genesis 12, when God made a covenant with Abraham in 12, 15 and 17, God sealed the covenant with blood. He slew the animals parted them in the middle and separated them and he made a covenant with Abraham and he put Abraham into a what? A sleep. God, the flaming fire, passed through the pieces because he knew if Abraham passed, Abraham would break the covenant. But he passed through and he made an unconditional covenant that man didn't have to keep anything we just had to believe. And so the blood covenant that was made is unconditional, irrevocable, and it will be kept. And if we went to Hebrews chapter 12 there, it's a... Well, let's go there. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 13. When God made a promise to Abraham... And, and this is the basis of this covenant. This is basis of this righteousness that we have imputed to us is the blood of the covenant. When God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. He, he, he made this oath saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee he, and multiplying I will multiply thee to Abraham. He's going to make you big. Many, many people. And half the world's population claim Abraham as father and so after he had patiently endured he obtained the promise Abraham did 
For men verily swear by the greater. If you're going to make an oath, you make it by the greatest you can. And an oath for a confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherefore, God willing, more abundantly, show the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, the unchangeability, he doesn't change, of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. God made an oath, yep, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong... It's impossible for God to lie. You know, we talked about lies this morning. Who's the biggest liar in the world? The devil. <laughs> and it's impossible for God to lie. He made this promise in making this covenant with Abraham, and he's not going to lie about it. And it's the covenant that he made when he split the animals and walked through those. He made it with Abraham. He's going to keep it who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast, into that which entereth into the veil, where the forerunner is entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Folk, this all ties together. <laughs> that the sacrifice that were given that day, picturing the fat sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, Based the new covenant that was going to be made on the basis of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you go into the book of Hebrews and find it there that God has made this new covenant based on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, an unconditional covenant with us, that if we believe on him, he's going to give us his righteousness. And he's not going to lie. It is a promise forever settled. God, who cannot lie, has made this promise. As he made it to Abraham and, and sealed the covenant and walked through those pieces, the Lord Jesus Christ has made the covenant, sealed it with his blood, and he cannot lie and he'll keep it. And if he can't, we don't have eternal salvation, we don't have security. But he can, and he has, and he will <laughs> keep the covenant. And it's all tied together it's all stitched up <laughs> the bible from cover to cover is true and real and uh, it would be good for us to get <clears throat> get the big picture <laughs> and to get it in our minds god has done it for us and we go back to romans there chapter four that was just a sideline about the covenant tying in with the new covenant and the new covenants in ties in even with israel Jeremiah 31, and in the book of Hebrews there as well, where they're tied in with that, and we are too. But Romans chapter 4, or chapter 5, thinking of this imputed righteousness. You hear sometimes when somebody goes to their bank and mistakenly there's been millions of dollars put in it. What would you say if that happened tomorrow? Would you tell anyone or would you say, invest it? I don't know. I don't know what you would do. You'd probably have to say, oh, it's not mine. It's a mistake. Someone's done it. Put the wrong number in. Must be one of those rich guys that done a transaction and stick, pressed the wrong button and it's got into my bank account. But it has happened, hasn't it? <laughs> you know, we who have believed 
have had it happen <laughs> that's better than anyone investing billions of dollars into our bank account. It's the righteousness of Christ that's been input into our account in the bank of heaven and we can draw down on it throughout our life. Better than any bank. <laughs> Romans 5.12 Wherefore by as one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. This is the bad story. And death passed upon all men for all have sinned. You see the imputation of this, the first man, he input into our account a debt. That would be bad news, wouldn't it? If you got an inheritance one day and inheritance read, Dad's left you a debt that you have to pay off. That would be bad news. Does that happen? It does. Well, you know, I'm sorry, but this is probably going public, isn't it? With the camp, with our camp, Brother Tony, with the camp, Crystal Creek camp, it was, it was debt-free. And then certain people wanted to loan money, loan money, loan money, loan money, and we're going down, 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 down. I think we got to 340000 down, didn't we? About? And I said, nobody listened to me, it's only Pastor Jekyll, he doesn't know. If we don't get rid of this soon, we're going to have to pay someone to buy it. Truly. But, but praise God, somebody was found that was willing to pay more than we owed. <laughs> but it could have got to that. But you know what, old Adam, <laughs> he put us all into debt into spiritual debt and his sin was imputed to our account and we're all in debt when we're born sin imputed to us I've got an overhead but we won't put it up sin entered into the world and death by sin and we're all going to die because we have that imputed to us the imputation of man's sin to Christ this is the good news in 2 Corinthians 5.19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. The good news is we can be reconciled unto him, not imputing their trespasses unto them. 1 Peter 2.24, who hath his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. The imputation of man's sins to Christ. Adam's sins imputed to our account. And then we have the imputation of man's sin to Christ. And the imputation of Christ's righteousness, which we've been talking about tonight, to the believer. It sounds totally unfair, doesn't it? That Christ should bear our sins when he didn't sin at all. But that's what's happened. He's done it for us because so God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He so loved you and me that he was willing to pay the price. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he, God, hath made him, Christ, who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
And in James 2.23, Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. And this is what we have here in Romans chapter 4. And uh, talking about David, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. <clears throat> so there we see sins are forgiven, sins are covered, and sins are not counted against us when we have Christ's righteousness imputed to us. <clears throat> you need to memorize this. This is, a, this is a central fact of salvation from Old into New Testament. We have imputed righteousness by believing. It just seems too simple, doesn't it? it? It's complex but simple. It's, it's true good to be true. <laughs> it's like, yep, our account has been topped right up with his righteousness. At no expense to us. At all expense to Christ. It is good. And it is, sounds too good to be true, but it is true. <laughs> it is true. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to work for it. It's yours free, but you must believe by faith. Repent and turn, confess and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What more can you say? And you would have to say, if you don't believe, you are a fool, really. If you don't believe on the Lord Jesus... When it's so simple. And if you try to work your way to heaven when God, it's a front to God, it's very foolish. Very foolish. Just do what God has said. Believe on the Lord and thou shalt be saved. And he's, he's, he's saying, come unto me and, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. The spirit and the bride say, come. And he, let him that heareth say, come, come to the water and fountain of life freely. While there is yet time and while it is the day of salvation, let's come. We won't get into sanctification. The other things that we've got listed down there that Christ has done for us from 1 Corinthians 1.30. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. It's all said and done for us. We need to accept what has been done. I pray, Lord, for everyone here, the young person, older person, and listening in, Lord, that we would trust in what's done. And, Lord, the picture of salvation is given from Genesis to Revelation. And it's all by faith in the finished work of God himself. Even Abraham believed he didn't work his way to heaven. He believed and he moved out of Ur. He moved out of Haran. He moved by faith in the, in the land. In the promised land. He, moved, he believed that he could have a child at that age. He believed and offered his son. And it was counted to him for righteousness. And Lord we pray for those poor people that think they have to work their way to heaven working their fingers to the bone and the work has been completed by the Lord Jesus finished on the cross when he cried it is finished the work was done 
may we all flee to the cross and believe that Jesus Christ has finished the work for our salvation and receive his righteousness and don't keep offending God by our works which are filthy rags bless us as we go our way rejoicing in the salvation a gift of God for us eternally we pray in Jesus name Amen